looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Past the Post. It's Sunday, February 26th. Hope you had a winning day yesterday. Again, another great day of racing, which is, the, is going to be the case right through the next few weeks and months with all of this fantastic racing in Sydney and Melbourne. But it was the day for Queensland yesterday. The Oakley Plate, the last race of the day at Sandown, a time-honoured Group 1, a proper Group 1, huge field, wide betting, speed on, and the Queenslanders got it. Uncommon James, Ben Dorries. Yeah, how good was it? Uh, it was just tremendous. There was tears everywhere. Mm. Uh, ben, ben Thompson was in tears, as he you know, told me in the lead-up he would be if he won. I saw Caitlin Hoisted, the, the you know breeder and owner of Uncommon James in tears. Matt Hoisted was choking back tears. And evil, even at Dooman yesterday, Steve O'Day was basically hiding behind a tree uh, because he thought, after the win, because he thought, if I talk to anyone for the next five minutes, I, I'm just going to... Burst out crying. It was just tremendous yeah, stuff. Yeah, and the good part was, um, and like me, you're a Doomban, the uh, the BRC switched the coverage to racing.com and we had the, the opportunity to see those interviews with, with Matt and also Ben, and that emotion just came through. So it was a it was a great end of the day, and uh, we're going to certainly explore the Uncommon James story in detail this morning. We'll have a chat with Ben Thompson, hope, hopefully... Speak with Matt Hoyston. Of course, other big racing there. Alligator Blood, the Stradbroke winner. He came up Trump's first up in the Futurity. And the uh, the Hayes family continued their tradition, their love affair with the Blue Diamond, whether it was with Colin or, or their father, David, but now Ben and JD winning with Little Bros yesterday. And, of course, in Sydney, uh, two Group 1s, Animo winning as expected and a Queensland connection with the, the surround stakes with Sunshine in Paris successful. Yeah, strong Queensland connection, really. Ryan Maloney rode his second Group 1. I've got to put my hand up here. I didn't even realise in the lead-up all the focus was on him riding Skirt the Lure. I must admit, I just sort of went through to the keeper with me in the lead-up that we actually had two Group 1 rides yesterday. But a uh, terrific moment from him. I think virtually three years almost to the day uh, with the Australian Guineas on next week that he won his first Group 1 on Alligator Blood. Strangely mm. enough, he won yesterday. So we'll put a call in to Ryan as well. So plenty to come up because there was a lot of feature racing apart from the Group 1s, plenty of black type and and uh, Group 2s and Group 3s, both at Sandown and Royal Randwick. We'll go to Sandown first and let's go to the race we were just discussing at the top of the show, the Oakley Plate. It was the last race of the day, 16 broke from the barriers and as in typical Oakley Plate fashion, the betting was wide. Lofty Strike was the favourite at $6.50. Zoo style approaching the 350 two lengths in front of Uncommon James followed by Asfura IME plugs on Marine One and King of Sparta is trying to get a run towards the inside Uncommon James and Asfura up to Zoo style it's kicking Uncommon James in the middle Uncommon James grabs Asfura Uncommon James holding on and won the Oakley plate lofty strike up for second from Asfura King of Sparta and they were followed next in the field behind them by Zoo style who got tired chain of lightning Marine One pull up quickly, followed by shooting for gold. Next in the field, Star Patrols, Apoteo, Rock and Horse, Maleva, Mask, Crusader, the Astrologist, and one of the last, Shimino. Yeah, well, watching the race in replay, Uncommon James always seemed to be travelling well, but just watching the race live, the, the first feature from a Queensland point of view was to see Zoo Style jump from that outside gate and hurtle along at uh, sectionals unheard of. He, he really set a, 
a strong tempo, didn't he? He just got tired late. Yeah, Zustal ran out of his skin, beaten less than a length and a half, hurtling along, as you say, at that speed. But Ben Thompson's right, I thought, from the wide gate, just ducking across the field early, just sitting there. I mean, if he was stuck wide... Uh, or in a different spot, we may have had a different result, but uh, he just had faith in the horse, and the horse was just too good. I was so wrapped for Ben, I've got to say. Well, Ben Dorries, let's have a chat with Ben Thompson. He's on the line now. Ben, good morning. Good morning, David. Now, I know yesterday was a big moment, and you know why I know it was a big moment? That no one else has released this, but I'm going to now. Yesterday was a big moment for you because on across the country... You told all those thousands of people listening, you said at one stage, I'm having trouble putting two words together. That's a big moment, Ben. You put a thousand or two words together every time you talk. So for you to say that, this must have been one hell of a moment. <laughs> no, I think uh, you're spot on there. Um, well summed up. But it's uh, watching back over um, uh, obviously the uh, videos and whatnot on social media and I was watching the the rap on on racing.com this morning and um i might have been wrong in there because i i to be honest i didn't shut up but, um <laughs> that's true it was uh, it was it was, a, it was amazing and still very very surreal um um oh, i was i managed to get managed to get good sleep which was really nice but it, it was nice to wake up and and realizing that it did happen but yeah super special ben you've been riding i think for eight or nine years now how many times have you gone to bed at night dreaming of that moment. I heard you say to Bruce McAvaney on air, of this is the moment, you know, I've long thought of getting up and being interviewed by you after winning a Group 1. Has it, has it been something that's been on your mind for a long time? Yeah, it has been. It's Obviously, it's, it, as I said in my interview um, with Nigel yesterday following the race, because I'm sure it's something that every jockey, you know, dreams of, um, being able to ride in a Group 1, let alone, let alone win one. Uh, and it probably wasn't until I'd, I'd been riding... Uh, when I started riding, honestly, all I wanted to do was just outride my country claim. I thought I could do that because it was all like I'd, I hadn't ridden a horse until I was 15 and a half, and it was all very, very, you'd say, spontaneous. Um, my first boss, Mick Kent, asked me if I'd like to become a jockey, and anything that Mick, Mick Kent said, I'd pretty much say yep, and um, I'd take whatever he said as gospel, you could say. I'd head into my shoulders when I started working for him, and um, he told me to get a haircut, so that day I went and got one. Then <laughs> he asked me to become a jockey, and I said, yep. And, um, yeah, all right, man, nine years later we're here. So it, it wasn't until probably I'd been riding 12, 18 months that, that um, and then I was riding in, in town that, that sort of your, your dreams they became, became higher. And um, I am very very emotional, as, as anybody that watched the race and post race would have seen, and even the thought of it, you know, the amount of times that I'm, and I, I daydream a oh, hundred times a day that just the thought that that thought's crossed my mind, and if I think about it too long, I'm about I, I <laughs> nearly start to tear up, honestly. So it's it was super special, and um, yeah, for it all to happen, and just just for it, obviously, it, oh, the 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 messages and and calls that have been overwhelming, and everybody that's it's reached out, it's. Obviously, it meant a lot to plenty of others, which which means even more. So, you know, uh, myself and Steph, my parents, were all over the moon. And of course, um, you would have seen <clears throat> so many of your riding contemporaries uh, at a similar age, maybe a bit younger, a bit older, uh, where you started off in Victoria, win Group Ones, I guess, in the last two, three, four, five years. 
and um, I think he'd ridden 30 or 31 Group 1s, not too many in the market. But just watching those guys that you sort of started riding with, some of those guys winning Group 1s, you must have just put a bit of a spur in your saddle too and thought, hang on, I can do this as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm very lucky like to have um, had a great, such a, a great group of mates in Victoria, which we are still all really close. And speaking of Ben Allen, Bo Mertens, Mick D, John McNeil, Paddy Maloney, um, Ethan Brown, Jake Bayless are all very close, and we were close back then going through our apprenticeship, and we, we are still. And, and uh, for all of them to to make it at the, at the top level, and Ben Allen broke through his first Group One in the same race last year. And I was talking to him early in the week, and he, he said, "I oh, see so you're trying to emulate what I've done last year." <laughs> and um, he was straight on the whistle last night, and obviously, Joy. And Mick D have just they've, they've and obviously even and Damien Thornton, my brother-in-law, like what they've all done. Um, Paddy Maloney more recently, and and the new market last year. It's to 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 get the like obviously you, you, I think we all feel it, you know, just watching them and let alone being close with them. Um, just the emotions that that comes from from sort of achieving it something at the highest level uh, in our field and to be able to join them and, and feel it. It's it's um the feeling is honestly undescribable. Can you remember the last time you rode at Sandown? I um I was actually my, I flew down on Friday and stayed at my with my parents Friday night and mum drove me to the races yesterday and she said how long would it have been since I was at Sandown and I think it would have been about two two and a half years, David, because I've been in Queensland pretty much two and a half years spot on. I arrived late August 2021. So, mm. it's, uh, no, 2020, 2020 it would have been. Um, so, it's, yeah, it would have been two and a half years. And with that that extra winning post, a few of the boys, even that, that rode in the race yesterday, um, said, oh, how'd you go with that second winning post? I said, I was lucky that I was on a horse that was probably travelling the longest, but that um, it would cope pretty good, I reckon. That's because I hadn't been there for a while. But, um, yeah, I reckon it would have been two and a half years. At what point did you think you were the winner? Obviously, the key move, I guess, was early on, wasn't it? Getting across, you know, with relative ease, I guess, into a, into a forward position. At what point did you think, this is mine? You know, did did you sort of allow yourself to sort of celebrate a bit in your mind? Yeah, I. it was about, at the, you'll see on the, the replay, at about the, it's the furlong on the normal, like going to the normal winning post is a steward's tower with a two on it, and that's, uh, it's about the 280 yesterday with the longer winning post, and I was getting closer to there, and um, I still, I was just, I was just nursing him along, like starting to niggle, but I knew that I still had a lot of horse there, and just knowing what a horse like, like that, that horse, Uncommon James finds, when you really ask for him, like he, he's, you can almost see his turn of foot, like he, his back end drops, and his his front gets a bit higher, and he, he just lengthens, and I knew that I hadn't hadn't found that yet or asked for him and when I was getting to there I thought I honestly, I told myself so I'm going to win this and which is it was honestly it was it was pretty daunting at the same time because Steph and I have spoken about this that we're usually if it comes crosses our mind that we're going to win or we tell ourselves oh, I'm home usually you're not <laughs> it's um something just just blouses you late so it was um I yeah just waited for as long as I could and I didn't pull the persuader and well, pretty much halfway along the red rail, so about 120 or so to go. And I mean, Asfora was at full bore on my outside. And as soon as I gave him a flick, it's probably the best shot to show what he found was the, the inside um, car patrol shot at the inside rail. And when I did give him a flick, I already found him. And 
that chair when I was able to honour to the last 50 or so. It, it felt a long time, but I was able to really soak it up and I yeah, just couldn't wait to get to the post. You know the horse well. You you were part of his education. You were part of his early career. Yesterday was 1,100. We know he's won at 1,200. You, you, you know the horse extremely well. What do you think will be his optimum distance? It's still, it's off. He's out. It's his, um, what is it, his third race prep, David, and he's like his eighth start, but he, he's still such a raw bugger. And oh, it, it's obviously it's a, a bit of a cliche, but I think the world, like, say, like Australian racing is his oyster, really, because he's obviously he's, he's won now at the highest level. And an Oakley plate, which was probably the, the or I guess, those um, had been saying that. That's probably the strongest Oakley plate we've seen um, in God knows how long. So to beat multiple Group 1 winners yesterday, uh, Rock and Horse, Mars Crusader, and, and how many Group 1 winners that have come out of that race, well, time will tell. But he's got such a bright future. And when it comes to a trip, I think, like, obviously, to win from where he did, he obviously, he jumped well and were able to get across on the speed on his turns without using any extra petrol, but chased a slick gallop. He pretty much he made the play for all those behind him um sort of sharing that second spot with i am me and he had to be a tough horse yesterday which he was to to finish off like he did i think he obviously he's proven over 1200 and done it super the way he won the regal roller and even as a two-year-old on Stradbroke day um beating Tai. i think the horse will have no issues over 1400 but whether he's going to be more effective at 1200 like just running a super strong 12 um time only tell but um, yeah, hard. He's, he's got plenty of nice races ahead of him. Last one from me, Ben, but a double pronged one. You went to the Greyhounds last night. You you owned a, a Greyhound that, that that ran. How did it go? And secondly, did Stephanie pick you up from the airport when you got home last night? Because if there's a more loved up husband and wife team in the world, I haven't seen them. I imagine that would have been an emotional <laughs> moment. <laughs> yeah, so we went to the dogs, and I we were sort of with the presentation and and whatnot. We. We were held up a little bit for time, and so we missed actually the greyhound that Steph and I own a share in. We had to watch him. We we missed the race by nearly ten, oh, just under ten minutes, but he ran fourth. And Berto in a Group Three, he was beaten three lengths. But um, parents had another dog running in race five in a Group Three, and and he won. So that was it was really nice to to get there. And obviously, and as well too, my my dad he wasn't there. He was still at home. He was at home taking care of the work there. But my um my uh, brother and sister, they do a lot of the race day work and they were at the Meadows, so it was great to go and see them and, and my uncle was there too, so the other relatives, my cousins, so cousins. So that was good and, yeah, Steph did pick me up from the airport. I, I probably, to a disgust at the time, I, I stooged her in to drop me off at the airport before going to Lismore on Friday, so she had done that. And, um, it, was, uh, oh, it was it was awesome to, to um, be flying home last night and and i couldn't wait to see her a few of the boys in um melbourne were were very disappointed in me that i wasn't staying to stay <laughs> to celebrate with them but no i was heading home to a, to a very happy wife and of course the sunshine coast today you you mentioned before as we close off on this interview you've you've been here for two and a half years i think you've made a wonderful impact on queensland racing particularly southeast queensland racing not only from your riding skills but the fact that you've um, you've been treated so well by 
by the racing industry here, your manners are impeccable. Um, you, you're always happy to help, uh, you know, with shows like this and, and functions. But you're, you are an adopted Queenslander in the eyes of the racing industry here. So the amount of goodwill that was felt at Dooman yesterday by you winning that race uh, was, was second to none. So you should be proud of that and, and proud of your achievement yesterday. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, Ben. There is Ben Thompson joining us. Let's go, let's continue the Uncommon James story. And uh, Matt Hoist is with us now. Matt, good morning. Morning, David. Wow. Well, um, we've talked to Ben and he was pretty emotional after the race. And I think with yourself as well, it took a little while to sink in. Yeah, well and truly. It uh, was very much quite surreal. It's a surreal experience and... Um, no, I think speaking to her, she's still down in Melbourne now with uh, Caitlin, my wife, now, and we're sort of talking this morning. It's probably only just just starting to, to sort of sinking now, the uh, everything. And, um, yeah, just just so uh, so proud of the horse. Done, a, done such a good job. It must add to it too, Matt, this was a proper Group 1, wasn't it? You see Group 1s and Group 1s, but everyone you talked to said this was one of the strongest, if not the strongest, Oakley plate, you know, in the last decade. So that, that must give you a bit of... Um... <laughs> bit of momentum as well, I guess. Yeah, well and truly, like it, it was. It was. I think even sort of talking, talking to a few people even a few weeks ago, you'd sort of think with a horse like this, you'd be going into an Oakley Plate as you know, red hot sort of favourite. And the fact that he he sort of was even the price that he that he was yesterday just just did show the depth of it. And look, it was always going to be a, a really good test. And and you know, I suppose to for us to find out what what level we we feel he's going to be up to and, and the fact that he was able to, to not not only just winning but I think sort of win as dominantly as he did, uh, you know, really just, just backs up that the sky's the limit for this bloke. He turned the tables on, on Lofty Strike. Lofty Strike got him down in the Rubicon and he turned the tables today. Lofty Strike's run by the same token was, was outstanding. Um, looking back at that first up run, was it just a, a lack of fitness that beat him? Because he seemed to have every chance. Yeah, he did. Look, he was, he was just raced a, a touch fresh and, you know, he was sort of exposed, you know, sort of on that three wide line. Obviously, it was a straight run. There's only really one bend, but he was just exposed the whole way. First up, probably six months, um, you know, had a massive, massive blow after that run. Um, you know, he looked well going into there, but he, he still hadn't 100% come in the coat. And it's probably only really been this last week he's just improved out of sight in the coat. He's just got, had dapples popping out of him everywhere and he was so white, so well and, and bright and it just really sort of tightened up a hell of a lot from that first up run. So we knew he had you know, tremendous improvement going into into yesterday and that was justified in, in how, how he was obviously able to run and just, just sustain a, a really good gallop. Obviously, you know, Zustal set out a hectic speed out in front and, you know, he sort of was, was the one behind him and, um, you know, they sort of carved out pretty pretty hot splits the entire race. They've obviously run a really slick time and just having that that um, you know a bit more harder race fitness under him with that one one good solid run just had him in good stead and had him you know pretty well cherry ripe yesterday. Ben Ben Thompson I think put it well and said Australia's his his oyster which it certainly is. There's a, quite a few whispers getting around that <clears throat> the Quaker in WA that new rich lot race over there he's obviously in high demand for that. There might be something cooking there. Perhaps obviously the new market could be um, in contention. The Galaxy in Sydney. Have you sort of you know, where are you at with all that now? Like, what's where is his next mission going to be? Do you think? Yeah, look, still haven't really decided. To, to be honest, we'll have a sit down today and have a chat to sort of, uh, to you know, with Kate, Tony, and uh, Pete, and we'll sort of work out a 
work out a plan on on where we do go go next. Uh, would probably nearly say that the the Quokka's probably nearly off the cards. Obviously, it's a really good good money race, no doubt. But obviously, the you know the rigors of of travelling and everything like getting him over there, and it's going to be a really firm track. Not that that holds any any reservations, but you know, it's the with everything, I think there's there's more suitable races sort of a bit closer to home. Uh, so at this stage, we'll probably be thinking we're we're going to be staying here and. Yeah, he said whether we will see see how he is over the coming days and whether we go new market or give him an extra week to the the galaxy. Both obviously handicapped, so a lot of that's going to come down to you know how many ratings points he does get for winning there yesterday. Uh, he still holds a nomination for the TJ or you know have the option of of coming home now and and maybe freshening him up for a, for a, you know Brisbane Winter Carnival as well. There's plenty of options, but look, we'll let the horse tell us in the in the next sort of 24 to 48 hours. He pulled up fantastic this morning, but we'll we'll see how he is back under saddle tomorrow and um, and sort of really sit down and work out a plan on the back of that. Yeah, you're in a very enviable position. There are so many options and you can't go to all of them. You don't want to go to all of them, but to try to uh, prioritise them is, uh, well, it'll be an enjoyable task, put it that way. So we'll follow that story. The same question I asked Ben, I'll ask you. Um, uh, we've seen him to 1,200. Uh, are you confident or, or comfortable that, that he'll run further than that? I think so, yeah. I have no no doubt. That especially once he gets a couple of runs into his prep. Like, obviously, he was, he was quite fresh first up. But once he sort of has that little bit of freshness out of him, it just really softens him up in the run. And, you know, he switches off beautiful. So I'd have no issue stretching him out to sort of 14. Look, obviously, he's so dynamic. He's got such an explosive turn of foot. So I'm not sure, you know, when we will sort of get to that stage of stretching him out. Obviously, if, you know, we'll be doing that in the in the right race, but yeah, I've no issue the way that he the way that he settles and switches off, you know, into a prep that um you know, he'd he'd run out fourteen nice and strong. Has your training partner been able to keep it together when he's spoken to you on the phone? I'm not sure if you heard the start of the show, but I was at Dooman yesterday and he was basically hiding behind a tree for about 20 minutes because he was so emotionally, he just thought if I talk to anyone, I'm just going to explode in tears. What's, uh, what's, what have your phone conversations been like with Steve? Yeah, obviously straight after the race, it, it was more sort of text and yeah, he, he sort of mentioned that. He goes, I'm I'm holding it together at this stage, but uh, I'm staying away, making sure no one talks to me. <laughs> um, yeah, but obviously just that first, you know, it's not only me, but, you know, Steve's obviously been, been training for, you know, you know, for a lot longer than myself, and um, you know, it was obviously his business that I was all able to to come into. So it's massive. Him, obviously, a bit of a shame that you know we did have such a big team team up there in in Brisbane yesterday. So he wasn't able to come down, and we weren't able to share that experience. But um, obviously, got a massive thrill for the whole team being there, and a lot of them being there trackside, uh, being able to watch him win it. You know, means means a lot. There's a you know Steve and my name are there, but we've got a massive team. It's obviously a big operation there. Um, you know, up in up in Brisbane, and you know, everyone does everyone does a fantastic job, and you know the, the results are really replicating that. Well, even the wizardry of the training of O'Day and Hoisted winning a Group One yesterday, it uh, still couldn't get Rathlon home in the last of Doom, <laughs> that, that that record still stands now two from thirty. Just to let you know. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, yeah, obviously a bit of a. Bit of, can be a bit of a frustrating horse, but look back to the drawing board with him. Hopefully, uh, yeah, back in the right sort of race, he maybe come down in grade a little bit, and hopefully we can, uh, yeah, we can we can get that third win under his belt. But Fetch was good. It, it, it looked a good race for her because of the the, the the race shape where she drew the speed in the race. I think a good distance for her and good fresh, and it all panned out well. 
Yeah, fantastic. Obviously, the you know, gates are always key with her. If she can she can get cuddled up, sort of in behind the speed, you know, we know she's got an explosive turn of foot when being able to ridden like be be able to be ridden that way. And in turn, obviously, with with Kyle aboard, getting in with a, a low weight, you know, she was always going to let rip and get the perfect run in transit. Um, and yeah, she was she was fantastic. We know she's got got a hell of a lot of ability. She's not completely straightforward, but. Um, really good to see her, see her do that in that sort of grade and we'll probably see her push on to the military rows in, in three weeks' time now. should have asked you too, just on the Oakley plate, um, what did you make of shooting for gold? was a $51 chance in the market, but uh, there was a bit of love for him and it just shaped as a race as though he could potentially explode. Fresh got beaten four and a half lengths. Was it a, a pass mark, do you think? Yeah, I think pass mark. He obviously wasn't beaten all that far. Um, it's funny, he probably... Whereas it was advantage on Common James in a sense that he was able to race at Sandown under race conditions, that's probably what you know maybe what brought him a little bit undone as well, shooting for gold. Um, you know, I know Damien made mention in the Rubicon that he did feel he got really lost sort of going down the dip there and, and coming up the rise. Uh, there and, and Ben made mention after the race that he, he really felt like a horse that had raced there before. He, he took to that a hell of a lot better. Jaden just thought he, he really did get a bit get a bit lost, sort of coming down the dip, and he and he um, you know, probably really struggled there. But in turn, thought he picked himself up. But he did just probably uh, peter out late. Obviously, it was a as we've said a, a really good rendition of the the Oakley Plate, and whether he's you know he's probably just not quite up to those real top top liners, but. Look, he's he's still got plenty more wins with him, sort of place right, even in that fringe sort of, you know, group three, group two, sort of listed grade, hopefully, and um, you know, just place right. Hopefully, we can, um, you know, we can we can get him back. He's done a done a really good job. He's been up up for a while with only shorter breaks, so um, he can go have a bit of a break now, and um, you know, whether we fresh him up for for our winter carnival. Matt, you're always very generous with your time, uh, not only with this program but other programs, other media outlets. So, congratulations on yesterday, you and Caitlin. Celebrate and enjoy the day. Cheers, thank you. There he is, Matt Hoisted, the co-trainer of Uncommon James, along with Steve O'Day. So I think the fascinating part out of this is, and I was saying this on Press Room last Monday, there's this glut of, of good, expensive races for, for open-class sprinters. So here are the options now. Um, <coughs> Newmarket, Galaxy TJ Smith, and or... A possible winter carnival. It's, it seems by what he said there that the the Perth race is off the radar. But there are there are three other good options, uh, and maybe two of those three can be exercised. Rightio, I'll put my card on the table here. Well, I think there's one option. Mm. It starts with E and it ends with T. Everest. I think Nature Strip won't be getting to an Everest this year. You can forget about no. Nature Strip. Well, that's a bit further down. The track. No, but they're not. But if you if you're getting an Everest slot or you're close to it or you think you're going to get one. Mm. Pretty much everything, you know, you're planning for the year is True. dictated around True. that. He's an Everest horse. I'm sure there will be a lot of interest in him. I've got Nature Strip a million to one to get to the Everest this year. Uh, there's good sprinters going around, but there's not superstar sprinters. He'll get an Everest lot. So I think if that formulates in the next couple of weeks, their entire year will be dictated around how best to get him mm. to that race in the best shape. Yeah. I, but I, yeah, I agree. Um, but but short term, there are a few very handy options on the table. Which way they go is going to be fascinating. So that is one good story you should be following up during the week. I have a feeling he might go to Sydney. I might dodge the new market, have one more run in Sydney. But mm. who knows? We'll have to wait and see. OK, we've coming <coughs> off on the Oakley Plate, a great result for Queensland. Let's And here's another Queensland connection coming up. Alligator Blood. He was uh, dynamic in the futurity. Here's the replay. He was the favourite.
up around the turn at the 450. Nugget joined by Alligator Blood, who's about to get going. They leave the fence. Aegon's got to run. I'm Thunderstruck's only two lengths off them. Then Mr. Brightside. So it's Nugget. 300 metres to go. Joined by Alligator Blood. Aegon and I'm Thunderstruck down the middle. Alligator Blood looking for a fifth group one. At the 150, led three quarters of a length from I'm Thunderstruck, who can't get there. Then Mr. Brightside. But the gate has done it again. Alligator Blood wins it by a length. Mr. Brightside, I'm Thunderstruck. Then Aegon or Nugget. And last of the six was my Ober running a fabulous race. He's got a great record, this uh, horse Alligator Blood. That was his 13th race win yesterday. It only started 27, so it's almost a one in two. Uh, it was his fifth group one. And uh, a great return, of course. The, the big dance is the All-Star Mile in a few weeks' time. But nothing wrong with picking up a nice group one along the way in the futurity. Yeah, it was just sensational, wasn't it? Um, he just does not know how to lose, basically, this horse. He just finds a way to win. Uh, he's just as tough as old boots, and I can't wait to talk to Adrian Bott about him. He's on the line now. Adrian, good morning. Congratulations. Yeah, good morning. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, a wonderful win yesterday. The the talk was, uh, that, and, and understandably, the All-Star Mile is the big target. Did you go into yesterday's race... Uh, super confident or or maybe thinking he might just be vulnerable late? Oh, look, you know, Feld, um, you know, certainly can be can be vulnerable there first up. You know, didn't feel like we had him, um, you know, quite at his at his peak. Um, you know, a few of the other you know, opposition sort of had a, had a bit of race fitness on their side. So, you know, that's always sort of in, in, in the back of your mind. Um, you know, certainly wasn't concerned if he'd been beaten on, on, on the day. Um, you know, felt that um, you know, there was sort of a good improvement. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily his, his grand final. Uh, just wanted to sort of get a, you know, see a, a very good run from him to show that he was right on track. And yeah, we, we certainly got that. Adrian, he's won four great ones for you now. When you got him, did you realise what a good horse he was? Because I guess he'd won the Australian Guineas as a three-year-old, but he had a preparation before he came to you where he, he basically did nothing. Like, did, did you know, looking back, did did when you got him, did you sort of think this is a, a, a superstar group one horse or not? I looked just went in with a with an open mind and sort of just started everything from scratch and sort of had a bit of a bit of a clean slate there. So yeah, we were um, yeah didn't really know what to quite expect. I, I guess sort of with, with with him coming over exactly sort of. Uh, where is that? What the future sort of held? Um, so yeah, didn't um, didn't necessarily expect to be sort of sitting here. Um, yeah, at this point, sort of having said he he's won, yeah, four Group Ones, and um, you know just been such a incredible horse for for, for the stable. Um, you know, and, and, and certainly, hopefully, um, yeah, still a lot more lot more to come. So um, I guess that's partly where just every sort of step of the way. He sort of continued to um, impress and uh, uh, amaze me in, in that regard, yeah, because having had sort of so much little to do with, with his early part of his career, we've been learning as we go and um, learning learning very quickly. And as I said, he's um, yeah, just continues to impress. Can you take us a, a little bit further? Uh, we've, we're talking about the All-Star Mile. What happens after that? Uh, we've got the, the options to, to come up to Sydney now, which I, I guess we sort of haven't necessarily had sort of sort of previously um you know it sort of fits into a couple of nice uh, races over the program i, I guess um yeah a, a few trains of thought there i, I guess sort of say looking at, at at the prep last time um yeah we we, we stretched him out to, to 2000 um in the cox plate um now wouldn't necessarily say it was um you know a, a bad decision by any means so he ran very very well in that race and you know probably 
um, you know, the way it panned out wasn't necessarily how we sort of hoped going in, in, into the race in terms of sort of the, um, you know, the, the draw and the run, etc. Um, you know, so I would be tempted to try him over that sort of trip again, but but, but obviously we dropped him back to the mile over the champions and, and, and he was very, very effective. So mm. yeah, obviously the miles is sort of real pet distance. He can be effective over 1,400 metres. So um, I, I guess there are a number of options if you're sort of looking at the couple of the group ones in, in, in Sydney after that, whether it be the, uh, you know, dropping back to a weight for age, uh, you know, all aged at 1,400 um, to taking on handicap of the Doncaster and sort of carrying, carrying a bit of weight um, or sort of, Stretching out to a you know Queen Elizabeth and and, and taking on some of the, some of the best there in, in, in that sort of trip. So um, yeah, they're they're all things that we can sort of look at and discuss. But you know, going into the campaign, everything was sort of um, you know with the intention of just sort of trying to have these first couple of runs in, in Melbourne first, and then just assessing where is that and sort of um, you know what the big picture. Um, you know, rest of the campaign or, or spring or, you know, just yeah, big picture what things could look like for him. So we've got to have those discussions still. So Tim Clark had ridden this guy to, to three route one wind. What, what was the reason for Blake Shin riding um, yesterday? And also, does this mean that Blake Shin retains a ride for the All-Star Mile? Yeah, look, Tim Tim was desperate to be down in Melbourne. It was gutted that he that he couldn't be. Um, he was going to be down there for, for his run in the Futurity, um, but... Um, yeah, you know, with the commitments in the carnival, uh, the clashes on All Star Mile Day, Golden Slipper Day, etc. You know, Tim felt that there was going to be a number of commitments that he would have up here on that day, so uh, wouldn't be able to ride in the All Star Mile. So um, I guess sort of everyone just sort of made the, the decision just for a bit of continuity. Well, um, you know, if he couldn't sort of be there for the campaign, we'll, we'll, we'll see if we can, um, you know, secure someone in, in, in Melbourne to, to try and stick with him. Um, so Blake's obviously riding riding very well and's always had a great association with the stable and has done a bit of work on, on the horse. So who's going to take the ride in the futurity? Um, and, and hopefully, you know, you'll certainly have the option to, to ride him through through the All-Star Mile. So hopefully that was enough of a Enough of a, a taste for him to um, you know want to want to stick with him, but um, you know there's probably a few things up in the air for, for Blake as well on on, on that day in, in Sydney. So um, I, I don't think he's sort of made a final decision yet, but that was sort of the, the sort of reasoning and, and everything behind it. Tim was certainly keen to stick with him. It was a delightful ride, wasn't it, for someone who's riding the horse for the first time? Because things could have potentially got a little bit sticky early when you you didn't lead, and you know he just sat back in the slipstream, and it was just um, it was poetry in motion, wasn't it? It really was, you know, worked worked out beautifully. And, you know, look, obviously Blake's a, you know, um, you know, tactically very very smart rider, strong rider. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he would have analysed a, a number of sort of scenarios and sort of how that race would sort of, would sort of potentially pan out. You know, I think I heard him sort of mention that if he felt there there may have been some sort of pressure um, uh, for coming from someone, he, he thought that may have been the most likely sort of type of horse. So I think he was, you know, pretty. Um, yeah, you know, he, he was certainly aware of sort of how, how the race might might pan out. Um, yeah, I thought he, he rode a very smart race. Just turning your attention to the Golden Slipper, Platinum Jubilee. She hasn't put a foot wrong in her career. She kicked off at the gym crack and then, of course, just beaten at Randwick, second of the Magic Millions, second of the Silver Slipper last Saturday. Does, does she have one more run before the Golden Slipper? Yeah, potentially. Uh, if that's the case, that'll be in the Riesling um, this, this coming weekend, mm. so... Uh, she'll be she'll be nominated for for, for that race. Um, we'll look to see her take her place potentially there, and um, and yeah, uh, head towards the slipper. She's in she, she's in great shape. 
Yeah, and, and very versatile too. Like we know she's good, wet or dry. We've seen her on speed, off speed. So she ticks all the right boxes, doesn't she? She does. Um, you know, she's got yeah a, a great sort of versatile racing pattern, which comes a big day in a high-pressure race will, will certainly be to her advantage. Um, you know, I feel she's been very consistent in, in, in whichever form line. You know, I think she brings together a number of different sort of form lines and she's certainly stood up on, on, on each occasion. Um, you know, she's bounced back off that, off that trip up to up to Queensland, um, you know, they ran very good time there the other day. So I think that race in the Silver Slip will rate, mm. rate very well, you know, sort of amongst the fillies. She was certainly dominant in, in, in that regard. So, um, yeah, she's she's straightforward. She's lovely, natural two-year-old type and sort of got the attitude-wise to sort of handle the pressure of that campaign leading, leading towards the, the big event. Yeah, if she doesn't win, she won't be far away. Thanks for being with us this morning. And once again, congratulations to you and Gay on the uh, the fifth Group 1 win of Alligator Blood yesterday. No, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. There he is, Adrian Bott, uh, joining us this morning. Alligator Blood won fairly and squarely, and I've got to say, I, I'm thunderstruck. I was disappointed with him yesterday. Yeah, me too. He's rapidly emerging as a <clears throat> potential non-winner. I hate those words in racing. Um, but he doesn't win out of turn, does he? What's his record now? Uh, his record is seven from 22, but what disappointed me yesterday was that the, the, the way the, the race turned out, you know, I know Alligator Blood couldn't lead, but he still virtually controlled it outside of Nuggets. So they went slowly. I get all that, but I thought he should have held off Mr. Brightside. So I thought Mr. Brightside's run was excellent, all plaudits to the winner, but I thought there might have been a bit more oomph in his finish, but I'm thunderstruck. Yeah, and it surprises me that uh, I'm thunderstruck still $5 um, for the All-Star Mile. I think, uh, I can't remember what Alligator Bud's the favourite, obviously, but I, I thought he might have drifted a bit more after that run yesterday, but maybe they're thinking Sandown didn't potentially suit that horse. So I'm not sure, but um, look, Mick Price is a bloody genius. I, I'm sure if anyone can can uh, get him over the line, he will, but he's, I reckon he's just becoming a frustrating commodity. Congratulations, too, to Jeff and Robin Simpson, who race Alligator Blood with Jerry Harvey. Let's go to the other Group 1 at Sandown yesterday. Of course, the uh, Melbourne's biggest two-year-old race, the Blue Diamond, a big field. The favourite uh, was Barber at $5. So the instructor is the leader, 600 metres to go, led by a neck exploring. Then came Steel City, third on the inside of Extreme Threat. Further back, Zolfa Car and Party for two from Little Bros VC. Brave Halo goes via the Cape and then came Barber. Back behind the mark and saw Kid Don Corleone, Dubinenko and Sensical. It's the instructor with Exploring moving up on the outside, but Steel City's trying for a run on the inner and got chopped out. Then Extreme Threat, back behind them, Little Bros. Then Brave Halo, Zolfa Car, Don Corleone, the instructor with 150 to go, grabbed by Little Bros. Little Bros takes the lead from Arkansas Kid, Don Corleone. Little Bros, it's Hayes again. Little Bros, three quarters of a length. Second, Don Corleone from Arkansas Kid or Brave Heel, a halo, and then came Dubinenko. Next to finish, Extreme Threat, Barber, Zolfakar, and then came Party for Two. Next, Picky, Barber, well back in the field. Steel City with also Exploring, who got tied with the instructor, pulling up quickly to Sonic Boom, Sensical, and... NVC. Yes, those uh, Lindsay Park colours seen to the fore there and this is a Blue Blood Racing family and they do have a wonderful association with the Blue Diamond and this time it was uh, Ben and JD, the uh, the sons of, of David and of course the grandsons of the late Colin Hayes uh, winning the race with Little Bros who has not put a foot wrong in his career, did everything right and nice run by Mickey D there to present at the right time.
Absolutely. You know, I reckon they've got bragging rights. The boys over someone in particular, they'd love to have bragging rights over. Their father. Their father's battling away a bit in, in Hong mm. Kong at the moment, struggling to train a winner, and the boys are absolutely low-flying. So uh, tremendous stuff would go to the slipper, you think. Or I think it was only second up yesterday. Um, Kieran Maha post-race, uh, we're talking about Steel City. Steel City finished 12th, mm. beaten three and a half legs. So 12th. But he said he could not remember in his career training a more unlucky runner. And it was, it's hard to say that a horse that ran 12th should have won. But I'll tell you what, it should have gone close. Yeah, trailing leader uh, went for rails run, chopped out. Uh, no clear run over the final stage, as the report will read. Yeah, little bros, interesting to see if they do try to uh, to, to peak twice, go to a, another grand final and, and go to the slipper. Of course, he's a, he was a Magic Minions horse, little bros, and he had those two runs in the spring, and we thought we might have seen him at the Minions, but they said, no, we'll concentrate on the Blue Diamond. So they executed a plan. It's paid dividends. I think it was a $200,000 purchase, little bros. And, of course, it's, uh, talking about swings and roundabouts, there it was what a couple of weeks ago. They win a Group 1, uh, they're the oar, and lose it on protest. Bounce back there yesterday. Yeah, I suppose a bit of karma for them yesterday. Good karma. Uh, Don Corleone, I thought, was terrific running second. Uh, Barber, terribly disappointing, the favourite. Um, no real excuses. Party for two, the Queensland horse. I reckon... Arguably from barrier one, it could have been a bit closer. I think he ended up three back the fence. Um, wasn't good enough at the end of the day anyway. Um, but, yeah, I guess that was the washer. Brave, brave halo I thought was good. Um, you know, the West Australian horse. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that form measures up to the Sydney two-year-old form. They're the group ones. Let's have a listen to some other black-type races yesterday. The, the Peter Young at group two level. This was on the hillside track. It featured the Melbourne Cup Quadella returning, Gold Trip and Emissary. So Keats has got up on the inside and taken the lead at the 400 metres from Deny Knowledge. He'll sleep well tonight. The saddle certainly shifted. Emissary got the second. Steinem the outside followed by Numerian Gold Trip. Keats in front. Is he vulnerable? 200 metres to go. Still led two lengths to Steinem wearing it down. Followed by Emissary Gold Trip. Keats 100 to go. Stopping. Coming at it. Steinem with Gold Trip. They hit the line. Steinem. Steinem's won it from Gold Trip. Keats Numerian. Next in the field Emissary. Then came Yaffet, Young, Verda, Surefire. Next in the field, Deny Knowledge. Nightmare ride for the rider, and at the end of the field, Il Paradiso. Yeah, the saddle slipped on Deny Knowledge. It did give Josh Richards a, a nightmare ride, but on the day, Steinem, being produced first up by Kieran Maher and David Eustace, came up trumps. Yeah, I find races like that really exhilarating to watch when something sort of goes bananas up front. I know the saddle slip, but it just uh, really makes for a good spectacle, doesn't it? But, yeah, the winner was good. Uh, I think Gold Trip was outstanding too, the Melbourne Cup winner. Uh, he's got some big fish to fry this year, all leading towards, I think, a Melbourne Cup defence. Yeah, it was a great day of racing yesterday. Pericles was very good in the Autumn Classic. Uh, he was second up, but he won with authority. And, of course, we saw earlier in the day Shuffle Dancer win well in race two. Let's take a break here on Past the Post. We've covered off on Sandown. We're coming back next to look back at Royal Randwick yesterday. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Yes, Past the Post brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Go to their website, archerparkracing.com.au. They've got shares in a capitalist cult. Tony Gollan, our premier trader here in Queensland, purchased him at the recent English sale in Sydney. Uh, he is an outstanding type. There's photos there. There's comments from Gollan. So there are shares available. And find out about everything on Archer Park Racing at that website, archerparkracing.com.au. Royal Randwick uh, hosted two Group 1s yesterday. Let's listen to the first of them. 
the fillies, the surround stakes, and in secret was the favourite at $2.30. Coming around the turn, North Star Lass swings in front by a link to Cinderella Days. Zoo Gotcha moving up three wide in secret. Just a little bit cluttered up at the moment. Then Ruthless Dame Cinderella Days moved up to take the lead. Zoo Gotcha giving chase. Now in secret goes back to the inside from Ruthless Dame sticking on well. It's Cinderella Days. Zoo Gotcha in secret winding up now. In secret takes the run to take the lead. Coming home hard again as Ruthless Dame the outside. Oh, and through the middle sunshine sunshine in Paris. Here's a great four-way go. I'm really not sure. Ruthless Dame, sunshine in Paris, who gotcha, and the favourite in secret in a tremendous four-way go. Followed them by Wolverine, revolutionary mess, Rosita, she's a belter, Cinderella Days, North Star Lass, Fireburn, Madame Pomery, and a lot more love. Well, this was a race that changed complexion dramatically in a matter of strides with in secret, trying to hold off Zugotcha. Then all of a sudden, Ruthless Dame and Sunshine in Paris lunged. And as we go to the post, let's bring in Ryan Maloney, the winning rider of Sunshine in Paris. Ryan, good morning. Morning, fellas. Hey, uh, I've watched that replay, and Tyler Schiller gives uh, Ruthless Dame a, an affectionate pat down the side past the post. He must have thought he won. Yeah, I uh, I actually didn't see that because I was more concentrating to my inside and I couldn't quite line up. Uh, the winning post and where I was between uh, uh, Huey and Huey and myself, so I uh, was more concentrating and asking him if he thought he won it. So uh, I missed the um, the Kieran Kieran awesome to my outside. Ryan, congratulations on winning your second group one. Almost, I think three years almost to the day since the first. How did it? Obviously, you're in Sydney. Uh, you're always going to Sydney to ride Skirt the Law for Tony Gollan. But how did it come about? You've been in Sydney for a few weeks riding some horses for Annabelle. How did that come about and lead to this Group 1 opportunity for you? Uh, I think Skirt the Law probably... Um, she probably made the opening there after she won the Magic Millions. Um, obviously, I've had a bit of luck for Aquas up here and um, they rang me and asked me if I'd be interested in going down and riding through a few for them and... Um, I was more than happy to, and um, luckily one of one of them was uh, was her. She was very good behind in secret in, in the the light fingers, and watching the replay yesterday, um, gee, it would have been stiff if you hadn't won because uh, there wasn't much room for the major part of the straight, was there? No, I uh, I, I got a good uh, good insight to her um, after the uh, after I rode her in the um, the light fingers. I thought, had a vibe been where Nash was and he been where I was, I, I felt I would have felt that the tables would have been turned because she, she, she was out in that sort of part of the track on her own and didn't really see Nash until he was there late and then she surged, surged at him the last 50. So I was happy. I was I was, I was wrapped in the run when I had um, Sue Gotcher and uh, in secret um, I was tracking them. So um, and I felt... Um, she was in that stalking role, which um, which I wanted, and uh, yeah, luckily enough, the, the, the gut came the gut came at just the right time, and um, uh, the rest is history. Must have been an extraordinarily um, sort of topsy turvy forty minutes for you in terms of emotions, because obviously the previous race you came out and rode Skirt the Law, who had she have won, arguably could have been the Golden Slipper favourite. She disappointed and is now spelling. How did you turn the disappointment where you probably felt like kicking a cat or something uh, around to, to a group one forty minutes later? Did you just clear your head and go again? 
Yeah, that's basically it. You can't go on into the next race having the same emotions as you did as the last one. You've got to get over it pretty quickly. And um, Although uh, it was disappointing, um, obviously she might be a, a good thing in hindsight um, going forward. She can have a good spell now and come back as a three-year-old for the spring. What? what um, where did you feel in, in the run in the Sweden brace? Where did you know you were in trouble and skirt the law? Were you, a, a fair way out, you thought, oh, yeah, wheels I mean, are spinning here? Yeah, she just never travelled like I know she can. She sort of takes control of... Uh, um, just makes the running so easy and from the 600 I really knew I was in trouble then um, I had to give her a slap up which I've never had to do in anything um, races or let alone track work um, and just the, the feel that she gave me I just knew I was in trouble and um, yeah, obviously the bubble burst Just before we let you go um, back to Sunshine in Paris it seems every indication she she may go to the cool more in a fortnight's time, so that'll be a nice, nice ride to have again. Yeah, hundred um, uh, percent. Extra hundred metres, I don't think will worry her too much, and uh, obviously, basically the same horses again. So, mm. if she can uh, draw, draw a low again, I couldn't see why she couldn't go on with it. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate, and congratulations on your second Group One. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Ryan Maloney joining us this morning, and it was a, a good ride, a weaving ride. He had to. Had to thread the needle there in the straight, and uh, she got there by the barest possible margin. I had one bet yesterday. I'm not trying to sound like a smart ass, although I probably will. One bet was on Sunshine in Paris. I was watching it on the screen at Dooman. I, I, I didn't even think I was in the finish. She's so small. I, like I, I, yeah, I <laughs> just couldn't even see her. I'd, uh, and then there was a photo, and I thought, oh, might be winning here. Something for the battlers. That's the Something for the battling Dory's family. That's the filly that's owned by Chip. <laughs> the great Chip. Chip. Well, Good on you, Chip. It, it's obviously a company, so it's it's the Avison family that that um, uh, are behind Sunshine in Paris. So I don't know where the where Chip comes from, but yeah, it's Chips in. That was yeah, exactly. That was Annabelle Neesham's eighth Group One there yesterday, and she was a Magic Millions purchase too. Sunshine in Paris, only ninety k, so she's certainly proving to be a bargain buy. Well, the Animo Show rolled on in the following race to Chipping Norton, and of course uh, he was the odds-on favourite at one dollar sixty. It's night's order, and Mawunga the outside. Fangirl has to go back to the inside. Animo lets loose now, and he lets go with a big sprint in the middle of the track, and the super stallion Animo races to the lead and kicked away from Mawunga, Fangirl, and then came Laws of Indices, but here's group win, group one win, number eight for the great Animo, destroys them in the chipping Norton. Fangirl second, Mawunga brave in third, followed by Laws of Indices, Modophilia late, further back to Hinston, night's order, a gap to a wrap. Beno, then came Stockman, El Bodigan, and Wetor was last in. The path seems to be three weeks to the Ranford on the 18th and three weeks to the Queen Elizabeth on the 8th of April. Yes, only two more Australian starts, mm. uh, which is a bit sad, I, I guess, for those of us who've fallen in love with Animo, and, and I'm one of them, before he goes to Royal Ascot and, and then is uh, retired. But I found James McDonald's post-race comments interesting. He said, look, the best of Animo is when there's, when there's speed on, when he can just sit back, you know... Six, seven, eight, and just come storming home, which he did yesterday, and that was pure arrogance. Um, he is clearly the best horse in Australia by a million lengths. I'd now have allocated blood at number two, to be honest, um, yeah. in front of Nature Strip. Um, at, you know, on current performances, uh, but he's terrific. We should cherish him while we can, which won't be much longer. Yeah, then uh, hopefully Royal Ascot there in in the in our, in our winter time, but. Stewart's actually reported that he, he did miss the start. He began awkwardly, so he was probably a bit further back than, than J-Mac wanted to be, but 
then in his favour. What worked for him was they ran it at a good speed, and uh, that's probably when he has seen it his best, Adamo, when he can sit back and swoop, and he did that precisely yesterday. Let's turn our attention to the golden slipper picture. Of course, it's looming large, only three weeks away for the 18th. And, of course, we had two further lead-up races yesterday. And let's go to the sweet embrace. We'll have a listen to Skirt the Law. She was the favourite, as we outlined. Summer Loving swings in front by a length of the favourite Skirt the Law, followed by Facile, Blanc de Blanc, Empress of Wonder running on together with down the outside is Lazago with a good run. Skirt the Law moved up, Blanc de Blanc's getting a gap between them. Here's a great finish, Blanc de Blanc moved up, Facile the inside, Lazago the outside. Oh, many hopes here, Lazago wide out from Blanc de Blanc, Facile fights on, Lazago with a head in front, Lazago wins it. Lazago took out the sweet embrace narrowly from Facile, Blanc de Blanc and August Bloom rattling home. Scott the Law uh, finished, uh, got very tired at the end. Then Empress of Wonder, Divine Glory, Saltaire, Summer Loving, further back to Porta Rosa and One Kind. Lazago's raced by Debbie Capitas from Wings fame, trained by Chris Waller. Hugh Bowman had the ride and she will now go straight to the Golden Slipper in three weeks' time. Yeah, I don't think this. The Golden Slipper picture changed a whole lot yesterday, apart from the fact, obviously, Skirt the Law's gone, and um, Lazago's now in the market as a $15 chance. Obviously, the the Blue Diamond win a little bros, um, you know, really strongly comes into contention. But outside of that, uh, Barbara obviously was disappointing yesterday as well, so eased in slipper, slipper betting. Mm. Skirt the Law, uh, Shields reported a poor recovery there, and then Tony Gollan had a scope, but he, there was nothing to be found amiss, so... She's obviously done her job and she will now have a break. Let's go to the other two-year-old race. This was for the males earlier in the day. It was the Skyline. Coming to the turn, bases loaded, punching through on the rails, just leads from Rush Hour. Speeds is out deep, Corniche with a good suck run behind them. Then came Shinzo, taking an inside run as they turn for home. Bases loaded in front from Rush Hour. Corniche in third position, Shinzo is eyeing off a rails run, being pushed along. Bases loaded at the 250, being joined by Corniche. Shinzo's gradually getting there on the inside as Corniche takes the lead now from bases loaded and Shinzo taking forever to wind up and Corniche goes up a notch now and Kanish starts to extend away to beat Shinzo and bases loaded. Uh, side show ran home into fourth, then Disneck from Make a Call, Gambare, further back to Rush Hour, then came Extreme Spirit, further back to Tabs from Diabelli and a big gap back to Speedster. Corniche for Godolphin, successful, 110.44 compared with the Sweet Embrace time of 110.76. He's been uh, more than handy, Corniche, in Melbourne during the summer, arrived uh, to win the Skyline. Don't think he can win a Golden Slipper, but he's done nothing wrong so far. No, absolutely. It just goes to show you what um, a master James Cummings and the entire Godolphin team is of, of placing their youngsters. I mean, he could have easily... I mean, he, he ran third in the, the, the prelude, the Blue Diamond prelude, boys division could have easily stayed there and run in the blue diamond yesterday that might have been the logical thing in some minds to to do but instead switch back to sydney and we saw the result yesterday yeah, exactly right i think uh, like godolphin have had a lot of success with their two-year-olds this season but i think cylinder is emerging as their strongest slipper hope that he won the silver slipper in quick time so to me he seems to be at the the, the top of the tree but we'll uh, we'll know over the next few weeks only a few more lead-ups now of course uh, the, the uh, next Saturday, the, the two features, then another two, and then, of course, Slipper Day on the 18th. Time has beaten us. Honourable mentions, though, to uh, Hope in Your Heart, who was very good winning first up in the, the Proven Thoroughbreds race. Uh, she's a 
She's a wonderful mare, and um, it was a very good win first up. And that horse of Joe Pride's Think About It winning the Liverpool City Cup, um, going through the classes and now taking uh, it's his first group victory yesterday, making his own luck out in front, going really well. That's the program. Yep, and that horse you just mentioned might be coming to the Stradbroke, which would be terrific. Think about it. Very, yes. Very quick mention, too, to Will Holbert. He reckons, believe it or not, he's unearthed a Victoria Derby contender in a two-year-old race at Doom. And I mean, look, in fairness, Felix the Scat looks like to have a nice future. And as he said last night, you don't go to bed at night dreaming about winning sort of country races or, or minor city races. You've got to dream big. Good on him. On that note, thank you. Thank you, David. Ben Dorries, he'll be with me on Press Room tomorrow. Hopefully you'll join me as well. Have a good day. Bye-bye.